Welcome to False Bottom Girls, a podcast about the wonderful yet sometimes confusing world of beer and brewing. Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, owner of Pilot Brewing and an Advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, sensory expert, home brewer, and Advanced Cicerone. Well, let's start. Okay. Then I'll say something. (laughs) (laughs) We can also start by you saying something. Oh, no, I don't like to welcome people. I, I duck. I don't have, I haven't Boo. done it. Get out of here. I think, Quit it listening. Will, I think it will throw it off. People will be like, whoa, Rachel's doing the intro. <laughs> so I don't want to throw anyone off, you know? Okay. I think change can be scary sometimes. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but I'll, I'll go after you. All right. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of False Bottom Girls. Today, uh, we are talking about one of my very favorite um, sanctimonious, righteous soapboxes to get on, um, which is glassware. Yeah. And um, it won't just be a what sticks my mash about glassware. I think we've probably already done that episode. But we are quickly coming up when the, when this episode comes out, we are quickly coming up on the annual Beer Clean Glass Day, which you said is April 23rd. Yep. Is that correct? Uh, Saturday. Wait, is that right? Yeah. April 23rd. Yes. Cool. Saturday, April 23rd is Beer Clean Glass Day. We'll talk about that a little bit more um, in a moment, but when we were trying to think of topics or brainstorming ideas for episodes, we decided to do one just completely dedicated to glassware. Yeah. And it's funny. It threw me off for a second because I was like, no, no, that is the right date. Why? So far. Like it's like, and it's like almost a month from now and Cicerone is starting to like very, it's like, it's like they're promoting Christmas. Like if you follow, (laughs) which is funny because I'm talking to you, Jid, who now, Run social media? Do you run the social media at all? No. Okay, good. No. So so now it's like they're really gearing up. They're like, okay, you know, beer clean last day, day is April 23rd. Like, take, you know, they have it on their website and send out the email. They're like, take some pictures of your glasses, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you guys, this is your Christmas. This yes. is your Christmas. So um, it's my hilarious. Christmas too. So it is. And Jed <laughs> has been known to. <laughs> definitely call people out on dirty glassware <laughs> or maybe not to them, but I surely share it with me all the time. And I love it. Oh yeah. I talk some major shit about dirty glassware, but I <laughs> rarely will. I say something like if I see a post on social media or something, because a lot of times, particularly even like beer enthusiast groups, people just don't know. And you'll yeah. see people like comment like DGM or like hashtag DGM, which is dirty glassware mafia. Um, and I'm definitely part of that but I'm just a little more shadowy just because I don't I don't want to make somebody feel bad when they didn't know um, and if the whole point of their picture is that they're enjoying the beer that's what's important but I will definitely screenshot it and send it to people and I also regularly get dirty glassware pictures sent to me which is like <laughs> my it's version triggering. of watching those like pimple popping videos on YouTube Ooh, I love like, that like people send, send dirty glassware pictures to me and I'm just like, oh, it's so gross. So like it gross in a good way or like in a yes. bad way because in a good way. So because right. like for me, watching people pop feed 
my husband's going to be so grossed out. It's, I love it. I love it. I used to like <laughs> search videos of it in bed. So like, can I, which is the best one? I used to like follow a Facebook group of them. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, wow. They're, I mean, well, it's just video. So like, right. I just want to be informed on the video, you know, like the sure. good ones. Right. No, I get it. That's how dirty glassware pictures are yeah. to me. So when people send them to me, I'm just like, ew, oh, let me see it again. It's so, gross. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> weird. But yeah, uh, I, I will randomly at this point is probably like every couple of weeks, but for a while, uh, maybe it's just because I guess probably because nobody's going out as much anymore. So you're not having the opportunity to be served beer in a dirty glass. Um, but it was usually about a weekly basis that I would get like a DM or a text or somebody would just show me, um, you know, be like, oh, hey, I was at I was at this bar the other day and I know you'll like this and like hold up their yeah. phone. And it's like, oh, gross. That's so gross. Ugh. Maybe so, this yeah. episode will encourage that back up for you. Maybe you'll start anymore. <laughs> I said you sub, but it doesn't happen at pilot. Yeah, see, exactly. Well, so the, here's the thing, guys. Here's a, <laughs> a little warning about this episode. If you like to live in the ignorance is bliss kind of lifestyle, which could be very comforting depending on, you know, what the topic is, don't stop listening right now. And just continue to go to your sports bar, and order your beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> no, no judgment. I appreciate that warning, Rachel. I was actually the other day, my one of my Facebook memories was a picture that at the, my at the time, 14 year old niece sent me of my sister, her mom um, of the dirty of the beer and the dirty glass that she got served. And she took a picture of it and sent it to me and was like, look at how dirty my mom's beer glass was. And I was she like, is man, I love you. Lurdied such a young age. <laughs> I yes. love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it's it. Like the audacity. I was like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think this is a good topic for an episode because there's a really a lot. A, there's a whole side to beer, clean glassware. I mean, you think about it like when you have wide, you have your white wide glass and your red wide glass, right? And you have a certain way you clean it. It's say with liquor drinks, you have your certain different types of glassware for different drinks. So why wouldn't this be the same thing with beer? Of course it is. Right. It's just uh, not as well displayed at the common bar. Right. Right. And generally speaking, that's, I mean, I've worked in breweries before who, and, and I know that you can attest to this too, Rachel at Pilot, that when you are using proper glassware, you it's really hard it's usually you can't stack it so it takes up a lot of space which yep. is why and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about shaker pints in a little bit but that's why so many places use shaker pints because they're cheap and they're stackable and that's like the worst possible thing well that's not the worst possible thing yeah you, you could serve beer but in, it's but not good it's not good yeah. yeah it's not it's it's a convenience for whoever's serving it and it doesn't really do as much justice to the beer as it can, but there are certainly reasons why that makes much more economical sense for people. But generally speaking, you know, if you go into like a good beer bar or, you know, some breweries who like, who have made that decision, they'll have appropriate glassware. Um, but yeah, it's, it really, and I, I super nerd out over glassware. Also, I have an entire cabinet of glassware. I will use, um, my, my all purpose one is a, just a goblet. Uh, but you know, some days, like if I know I'm going to be drinking IPAs for like, that's going to be the night I get my IPA glass. 
Yes. Or like I have my, my Sanj for Kolsch, you know, and so I have different glasses for different kinds of glassware or different kinds of beer. And it's always like, for me, it's just part of the experience is like, you have your, your appropriate glass and it's clean and you pour it just right. And it looks so pretty. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's definitely, um, definitely just as niche as, as like you were saying with like wine glasses and liquor glasses and does it affect the taste? Probably not like probably like incrementally. So but like we were talking about in our color episode, you know, you drink with your eyes first and a beautiful presentation yeah. is like just sets you up to be excited. And to yeah, like what if you were served some beer in a coffee cup? <laughs> like, right. Like, here you go. Because like, the taste is good. You're like, I don't think so. Where, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> right. Is there a shot of Jameson in here? Like, right. What? Right. Yes. Uh, what, are you drinking a, a beer right now? Right. Um, I am not. I am drinking kombucha right now, but it's ah, good my, for you. It's still beer clean. Is that a it's kombucha still glass? It. Yeah, it I'm can be. <laughs> it can be. I guess there is. So, I mean, it, there might be a kombucha glass. I don't know because I'm not a kombucha connoisseur by any means. I am drinking out of our Visid glass at Pilot. Pilot's version of a Visid wheat beer glass. You're award winning. Well, I'm actually drinking Island Hopper. Oh, wow. I'm just drinking out of the type of glass. Okay, it's well, it's this, one of my favorites. This podcast one of my is favorites. over, everyone. We've well, got I'm allowed to do that. I'm American. Mismatch. <laughs> I don't live in Belgium <laughs> or anywhere else. So I can, no, I think, no, I think that that is a, it's my favorite I can definitely glass. see, yeah, I can definitely see with the vase that being a good kind of all-purpose glass. I don't have my mix of glasses like you, but. I would do it. Like once we have a house one day with the kitchen, I'll, I will do that. Yeah. So it's, not, it's not that I don't want to. It's just that I don't. I have a mix of pilot glasses. I have my goblet and my <laughs> pint. I, I do have a stodge. Uh, uh, yeah. And I, it's, and I have an American shaker pipe because we sell them at the brewery and we'll use them for water sometimes, but we don't, we don't uh, pour beer into them. Right. Right. And we'll talk about that glass. Yeah. So let's, why don't you take us back? Um, and this will also, <laughs> this will also tie into some episodes we'll be doing later on um, Porter specifically, but, you know, glassware is a relatively recent invention. Uh, so Rachel, tell us a little bit about the history of beer glassware. So Drinking, uh, it was obviously started a very long time ago. Drinking anything fermented that you were able to get your hands on. And we're talking about over 10,000 years ago. So, you know, when you are, and I'm assuming there's a lot of like traveling as well. There's nomad groups that are traveling, hunting, gathering, need for something to drink. So they, what do they use to make a container? whatever they have and things like that is what's around you, what's grows and what can you kill? So they would use animal skins for uh, traveling liquid. And then, you know, later on that turned to different pots, bowls, jugs that were established as a drinking vessel as choice. Um, And then even further after that, the inventions of the potter's wheel made clay vessels possible. So we're talking about a jump from animal skins to clay vessels and glasses really wouldn't occur uh, until you know 
glass blowing was something that started. So we're so we're talking about an era from 9000 BCE. That's before common era where we're using pots, bowls, uh, jugs, anything that is usable to transfer beer or any sort of drink into around 50 BC when the art of glass blowing starts basically. And for the next couple of centuries, that really takes off the art of glass blowing. But yes, go ahead. I (laughs) just had this. How fucking weird was that person? who yeah. like, figured out glass blowing. Have you seen those shows? Like there's yes, a couple shows. I love them. I know. So good. <laughs> They're so good. And I'm sure glass blowing didn't look that pretty then, but right. Like, but how weird that like you're sitting like on the beach and you're like, huh, I wonder if I can make this sand into something that's clear. And then it's like, I'll, I'll just put it on the end of this tube and super. Well, it and, maybe like, it's kind of the it. same idea as a pearl in an oyster. Like, like someone's like, how do I make? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it started out like very uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, you're like, well, you find these oysters and you're like, okay, well, there's, I guess they realize they're, you know, there's sand being turned into a, a pearl. They're like, well, how do I turn sand into pearls? Right. And they're like, well, maybe glass is good enough. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you just have to think it's like, yeah, that's you know, weird. The, the first person who heard a parrot talk like that was a weird few days. And the same thing is like, <laughs> how do you master glass blowing <sighs> and like and sell people on the idea of just like, just trust me, you're going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine never seeing or even knowing about anything like that? So it's like, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, you're a witch. And then it explodes. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. I'll try not to continue having my. No, it's okay. Please loud. continue. <laughs> and so, still, very early time, 50 BCE is kind of when this starts to take off and really develops over the next couple of centuries throughout the Mediterranean and Europe. Takers and steins are becoming the common vessel for the common person around this time, while glass blowing is becoming like an art that is subtly growing. So uh, takers are a big stein, basically. And a stein, we're talking about a ceramic leader, most likely, or similar size, uh, old time Euro- European that you would imagine an Octoberfest kind of stein. Uh, these are the first vessels specifically associated with beer drinking. Uh, we're talking around the 14th century, around this time. They were originally used to carry water and were made of wood and bounded with iron or leather. Uh, however, following bubonic plague, the taker became a tall, one-handled little mug, lidded mug, sorry, made for made in order to keep like any sort of bacteria out of the beer because, you know, this is a time of death and plague and disease. So this is kind of where this stein with a linnet mug look comes from. The bubonic plague was responsible for the rise of pub culture in the UK because it's since it killed so many people, the people who were left, like their wages rose and they were able to have a higher standard of living 
which also meant that they were they had um, more disposable income. Nice. And the houses. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Um, the more house, money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the the households that were selling leftover ales were commercialized and then turned into converted into permanent facilities that nice. that sold beer and food. Okay. And so that was part of that move from brewing in individual houses, like you had said, to having it more centralized and people had disposable income and were, um, I would imagine, were a little more mobile, a little and, bit easier for them to travel. And also, so we're talking about alewife taverns basically now being converted to an established bar or restaurant at, of whatever that meant at the time, which is probably an act out of safety for not having another sickness or you know yeah. disease spread yeah that's true um i would imagine because nothing ever just like is reactionary most of the time you know everything is right. or proactive i'm sorry nothing ever is a proactive action they're always a reactive action like right well how you know kind of like now new guidelines after we just have covid right which exactly uh so so that was another diversion. I apologize, no, I, but that was something okay. else that came I had out a of question. the plague. You, you handled it. <laughs> uh, so, sorry. So around the, uh, so we have the, the, the taker that becomes lit it now. It's called the lit it mug. So that's where our classic iconic Stein kind of comes from because it was an effort to keep the plague out of your drink or probably anything else really, which is a good, like, moment in history that people are starting to recognize that you can't like there's stuff out there that's harmful and but they do that too because they were drinking beer not water so but so 19th century true beer glass begins to become popular and around the turn of the 20th century glassware for beer drinkers start to become like a true art form so I had to look this up when I read it myself, but it's called the Ted Sided or Fluted Handled Pipe Mug was one of the first beer glasses and allowed drinkers to, to have a glass with a handle for the first time. So this just imagine your like standard like pipe with a handle glass. Uh, Ted Sided is like I look I'm looking it up like when I look at it, it's like Ted Sided is a kind of a weird yeah, it's almost like it's just fast way. I think I have, yeah, I have some that are like that because I imagine it is, yeah, just the, the co- they kind of look like columns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It's with a handle. So this is like our first like mug, like our first like, oh, this glass is for beer. Very much for the light fizzy beer that was probably popular during that time, most likely. Right. Well, in the, America, the, um, glassware clear glass becoming more commercially available for like normal people was also when people started being able to see their beer yes what was being served was you know porter or brown beer and it was murky and so then once people beers were being served in glasses and people could see what they were drinking they started moving towards pale ale because it looked nicer it looked more appetizing and, you know, it was clearer, it was sparkling and the glassware really benefited that more so than it did the porter. And so that not invention, but the commercialization of glassware was one of those huge kind of unsung factors in the downfall of porter being the most popular beer 
at least in London and the yeah. rest of England and the rise of pale ales. Yeah, that's a very good point, especially where you're going from a time where you are using like this mug that hides your beer. And now glass is becoming popular. Brewery, I bet it forced some breweries to kind of change up some stuff mm-hmm. too. Yeah, like, for sure. Uh, so around the 19th, so following this, this cited pipe or uh, sorry, mug with a handle, we jump into the dimpled glass, which is very similar looking. We're talking about a mug with a handle, but now we have the dimpled glass that come that came with increased popularity of amber beers. So which looked better in this gla- class. Oh, I, I love, keep, I, keep I love class, a good, I feel like <laughs> a good glass. English ale in a dimpled mug is Yes, exactly. It does. It looks it looks so pretty. Especially imagine it against a standard American pipe. Mm-hmm. Like boring. So right. boring. <laughs> so now we have this 1940s dimple glass. So followed by this dimple glass, we now have this uh nautic glass that is coming becoming popular. And this is a straight glass with a slight bulge at the top. Uh so nautic stands for no dick. And that is is a glass designed to mimetize the chipping that occurs when glassware is rubbed together. Glassware, it like I don't agree that it should be rubbed together, but I guess they're making an effort. Now I'm gonna ask a question about <laughs> when you stack a nautic. All right, this has got a pipe glass basically with the bulge. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly the, and then it goes back to kind of pipe glass sh- shape. So it doesn't end with the bulge. Just goes back to but so when you stack a nodding does that top of the glass sit on the bulge i'm saying i'm asking like yes that that top of the glass sits on the bulge and that's what prevents the no nick or from not nicking so no glass inside is touching the glass that's on top that's what i have to it's been so long since i've worked at a bar with these glasses i can't so the problem, let's just go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> the problem with American pie glasses, when you stack them in the service, like when you're at a fast-paced bar, and we're talking about the standard pipe shaker, the 16-ounce glass standard pipe goes is flat for, for multiple reasons. I don't like that glass at all. But right. Although if you're it. listening to this, you probably have like 40. Yeah, sorry. Of them. That. Yeah. <laughs> I think I keep mine cold to 10. Yeah. And so when I like when one breaks, it's and they're all pairs. So when one breaks, it's like, well, sorry, sorry, buddy. other one. <laughs> you got to go. But do you stack them? Yes. And do you find dicks where you stack them? I do not. But that is the I am not a high service restaurant. Potential. Exactly. Right. So that's the problem <laughs> with high service restaurants that could really lead to a dick. So it's been so long since I've worked at a bar and I could try to remember these nautics, how they stack. And I believe one sits on top of the bulge of the other. Boop, boop, boop. I think so. Or it doesn't nestle as far down in it's the glasses. Something like, a, like that. Yeah. I mean, if it's a true no dick, it should probably sit on top, but even then you gotta be careful. Cause then you could just nick the top. Right. Silly day. Anyways. So then, a, like the classic Irish Guinness pipe glass, is a 
variation of the standard Nordic. It's, you know, or, you know, around that time. And after all that, you know, all these other as craft beer becomes more popular, uh, American glassware starts to matter more because in other countries, glassware for appropriate styles are already a thing, like very much so. Like you go to Belgium, every brewery has zero glassware. You go to uh, Germany, it's very standard. England, the same way. Irish, same, I mean, literally everywhere else. America is the one that is the wild car, you know, go surprise. Right. So, right. The United States is one of this like dirt, yeah, shaker pint, the uh, worst glass. Yeah, because it's just like when they started out with the worst beer. Well, maybe not start out, but it mass produced the worst beer, like golden fizzy. We're about size and yeah. production. Yeah. So here, drink this, drink it fast, and I'll get you another one. Right. And this is a fast paced bar, so I need a second. With glassware and kind of transitioning into that, thank you for that history. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Glassware and kind of where we are today but there are glassware when you're you know when you're looking at it there's a lot of factors that are going to come into play when you're trying to select the best glass and I've actually have a friend who will every once in a while tag me on social media because she's asked before you know like all I have are pint glasses and we're not at all suggesting you should go out and buy a whole bunch of specialty beer glasses that you can only use for like oh, one thing that is that is very kind but uh she had pine glasses and had said like well what else what else can I drink beer in that I have and I said you know if you've got wine glasses drink it out of a wine glass like that's going to give you the best approximation or it will give you a better presentation and experience at least than a shaker pint will for sure Uh, so when you're looking at glassware and trying to select the proper glassware for what it is that you're serving um, or what it is you're going to drink. You know, you want the two most important factors are the size and the shape. So with the, the glass size, that's going to be determined usually by the alcohol content of the beer, um, as well as the cost of the beer, specifically if you are like, you know, if Rachel at pilot, if you have a beer that's high ABV, Um, It's probably usually is going to be one of your more expensive beers anyway, because it takes more ingredients to make that beer. Um, So the, the cost of the beer and the ABV, really the ABV, especially if you're at home is going to be the biggest determinant in your glass size. Um, Because if you're serving a high ABV beer in smaller glassware, it's reasonable and responsible consumption and again this is especially if you're working someplace in the um, that where you're serving to the public yeah and then also that smaller glassware helps keep the prices reasonable for the customers and I remember one time going on a job interview back when I lived in Chicago and the interview was actually at it wasn't for revolution but it was at their brew pub and it was the day that they released their barley wine which is fantastic barley wine and the, the guy who was interviewing me was like, oh, do you want me to grab you a beer while we talk? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I would love to try that barley wine um, because I know it just came out today. You know, I love barley wine and all that. And he poured me this barley wine in a 16 ounce pint glass, like filled to the top and set it down in front of me. And I was like, 
okay, first of all, this is a job wow. interview, sir. <laughs> and you just gave <laughs> like the equivalent of at least two servings of this very high ABV. Beer. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, he did not work there. Uh, <laughs> he, did, he was not like a representative of revolution. Otherwise I think I would have gotten a smaller one, but I definitely remember being like, you just poured me 16 <laughs> oh ounces God. of barley wine. And actually also in Chicago at a restaurant, um, it was after black Friday and they were like, yeah, we have goose Island bourbon County on tap. And I was like, cool, I'll have that. They also brought it to me in a 16 ounce pint glass. And I was like, what? this is like a 13% beer. And I also, I know that this ounces. is, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and also I know that this is not a cheap beer for you. Like, what are you doing? You yeah. Losing so much money by doing this. Um, but anyway, glassware or glass size is going to be determined by the alcohol content. And then if we're talking about a consumer facing thing, the, the cost of the beer as well. And then another really important uh, factor to think of for glassware selection is the the foam of a beer style that can also influence your glass selection. Yep. What you're going for, you know, if you're looking for um, aroma, that's going to influence your glass selection. So, like Rachel has right now, the um, the vase, which is traditionally for a showing uh, it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes. In this. In this audio medium, <laughs> we appreciate you showing that. <laughs> You're um, but you know, with a style like a vice beer that has a lot of wheat, it's going to have a big fluffy head. And the vase was developed to really showcase that and also support the head to make sure that it was fluffy and long lasting. And like, you know, you saying this, you're one of your favorite glasses to drink out of. I think that's a fantastic, like all-purpose drinking glass for that very reason that is going to help with that foam retention and is going yeah, to help it really does. supported. And the other thing to keep in mind also with something like foam, as someone who just wrote an article about foam, that the, the shape of the glassware, particularly the opening is going to help determine how good that head retention is. So if you have something like a pint glass that you're serving beer in, you have straight, very steep sides. And so there's nothing really slowing that foam down. So as the foam collapses, it's just going to fall straight down. It's just going to run straight down the sides of the glass. Whereas if you have something with a curvature to it, um, you know, then that's going to help kind of provide more friction to yeah. help your, your head retention. Um, so size and shape, those are going to be your two main considerations when you're thinking about your beer. And, you know, like Rachel said, it's the glassware selections. So many of them come from cultures and traditions. And that I think for me, that's one of the things, like I said at the beginning, that I really love about glassware is like there's, it just hits different to have a coals from a stange than it does Seriously. to have a coals from a goblet. Like it's still good, but you know, it's like this, this means something. This is, yeah. I'm, I'm taking part in this tradition um, that's kind of connecting me with the rest of this beer culture. And like we mentioned also, a lot of times traditional glassware arose in large part because of its ability to make the style look good. Um, like we were talking about with like the dimpled mugs, that that was huge. And, you know, glassware is going to, obviously it's going to be the dominant thing about the appearance of the beer, but it's also going to influence our perceptions of foam, of color, of carbonation, and of clarity. 
So glassware really is important. And then with the shape, if you have uh, like a glass that has a narrower top, that's going to help retain the beer aroma. Um, if you've got a, so what I'm thinking of is something like a goblet or an IPA glass or really most of the specialty glasses you can find now, you'll notice they all kind of have a, like a bulbous shape with a narrow top. And that's because that narrow top is going to help retain the beer aroma while that wider body is going to collect it. And then you, if again, going back to like the reason why a pint glass is a terrible choice, uh, the shaker pint is a terrible choice for beer. The wide top is wide open. So it allows carbonation to escape. It allows aroma to escape. That's, you know, we're talking about the, the opening and the body and then the glass, the bases of the glass, if they're narrower, um, like the, the vase that you have, if they have stems, if they have feet, that all helps reduce the impact of the heat from your hand. So you can hold on to the beer without warming the beer up, which again, talking about something like a shaker pint, that's terrible for that because it's, you're holding the, like holding the beer and it's yeah. transferring heat. So your beer is going to warm up a lot faster. And then depending on how the neck and the lip is designed is also going to help determine where the beer hits on your palate. Is it going to hit like the front or, you know, the middle of your palate or the back? I, as, as we'll talk about in another episode, and I think we've probably touched on it before too, your, you taste things all over your palate. Uh-huh. Um, so when I read stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, I get it, but you don't get that much of an enhanced experience if the beer hits the tip of your tongue versus the middle of your tongue versus the back of your throat. Like, we're, we're talking like about like the Belgian tulip style right. glass, maybe even wide glass, but like it's funny too because you go to Belgium and every single brewery has their own glassware and it's a version of a tulip or goblet or whatever. Right. But, you know, all the lips are different 100%. Right. So, <laughs> like, so it's really your, op- your, you know, you're, you're right. Like, is it really that noticeable? Probably not. Right. Right. And, um, you know, other details on, the glasses, like Rachel, I know if your pint glasses, you all have nucleation etched in the base of them. So yes, that's, that is favorites. great because that gives the CO2 bubble someplace to collect. And that's part of what makes the bubbles form is having those nucleation points. And then when you have those nucleation sites etched on the bottom of the glass, that also encourages what's known as beading, which is just that steady stream of CO2 moving up through your beer and then going out to the sides and then flowing back. So you have a fairly steady foam on top of your beer. Um, And then if you've got something like thinking about the IPA glass that has kind of the three bulbs on it, that is purported to help enhance the overall beer drinking experience by kind of rousing the beer as it's, you know, being poured from the glass, like into your mouth. So it's going to release more of those volatile aromas yes that is one of the ideas of this tulip flared outward lip bulb style glass right more aroma appeal and the other thing about shaker pint is that it actually only holds 14 ounces when it's filled it's not an actual pint 
rude, um, but Sorry. don't, yeah, don't use that information to abuse bar staff who are only doing what they're told to do. Yeah. <laughs> We talk uh, so much about this beer clean glass, but like, what does that really mean? You know, like, what is a beer clean glass? So beer clean glass has a couple factors and it's definitely one of those things to be a lot easier to show you, but do a little Google, look up your beer clean glass and look at the difference. But a beer clean glass is, so you talked about this beating that happens Mm -hmm. with the nucleation on the bottom of the glass. Now, if you see beating that Jen described happening from the side of a glass where there is not a intended nucleation point. Oh, well, is, apparently they make those, those glasses with nucleation on the side, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Probably. Well, according, according to, to some breweries. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that is a side of a dirty glass. So if there is a beating coming from somewhere on the pipe glass that is not Intentionally nucleized, that means that is dirt or oil. Uh, now, if you see just like one or two, like it's okay, you know, like don't like lose your mind. Nothing's going to like hurt you. So if you see a dirty glass or you see something like that, you know, it's fine. It's not going to hurt you. But like I have definitely gone to bars and where was I? Uh, yes, last night, last night after work yesterday, we went to an Irish pub down the road, which these are, they have some craft beer draft, but these are not a craft beer bar by any means. And like, I had some good beating from the side of the glasses, you know, not what, not enough to gross me out, but enough like borderline, you know? So like, whatever, like this is the bar I'm in. Right. But yeah, if you, if you're being served a glass, so for me, the beating is part of it. The biggest telltale sign is bubbles that are clinging to the side of the glass. Yeah. And it's like, you can have, we can have the beating coming up from the bottom because there's a nucleation site. Um, But if you see any kind of bubbles on the side of the glass, that is not beer clean. So like Rachel said, that's, that's a nucleation site and it means that there's something insoluble there and so it could be detergent it could be dirty it could be grease most of the time i think it's just like detergent and and or they're washing their glasses like in a dishwasher with all of the other dirty dishes rather than having a dedicated glass washer yeah or like sometimes also dishwashers they could sanitize with steam or sanitizer and then if you're sanitizing a if, if your dishwasher or even just a sink, if you're leaving, if the last thing that touch your glass is sanitizer and what you don't do that pre-rinse of the glass. Oh, yes. That's well, a problem. Or two, if you take that glass and stick it in the freezer because your bar serves frozen mugs, which, oh, like we haven't even touched space on that. But please, for the, <laughs> like, si- like side note, don't just, you don't need a frosted mug. Okay. Anyways. So. Yes. Also think about the fact that they are freezing that sanitizer onto your glass and now pouring beer onto your frozen sanitizer glass. Right. So enjoy. Yes. No, I, I do think that that's a really important thing. Um, I know I was doing a training one time in Savannah, which is very much a party culture. And they were like, what do we say when people ask for their beer in a frosted mug? Because I said specifically like, beer glasses should not be chilled. You should not put them in the freezer. You should not have frosted mugs. 
And, you know, they were like, uh, we get a lot of people in Savannah who are are expecting that. What do you say? And it's like, you know, that's like you just said a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like you said, whatever was in that glass when it got put into the freezer is going to melt into your beer and you don't know what that is. Um, and again, is you're not going to get poisoned. Like it's not unsafe levels, but it's just not the best experience. And most beers, particularly craft beers, are meant to be consumed at a warmer temperature than you would consume something like a macro lager. Exactly. So if it's really, really cold, you're not going to get the best experience yeah. from it. Now, if you really like a frozen mug or a frosted mug, whatever, that's that's fine. You know, that's yeah. Some people really like it and think that it enhances the experience. And if that's you, if that's what you think. And you're in your own home. <laughs> but just recognize, but just recognize that it could have some sanitizer in it, maybe. Right. Or something else that's gross. And so you know, ignorance is bliss. So like I said, I yeah. gave you your warning at the beginning yes. of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do have people after I train them on beer clean glassware, they they're usually the ones who start sending me pictures and they're just like, Yeah. Hey, I mean this in the nicest way possible, but fuck you. Why did you teach me what yeah. this looks like? Because now exactly. I realize how and, often I'm getting served. And if you're at like, class. if you're at like one of these like sports bar, or high end fast service bars or whatever, you get this beer. I just feel like the last people to care too. And if you go to a brewery, you're probably not going to get a bad experience with your glassware. Yes. But, I, not yeah. most of the time there are I am much more forgiving of being at a bar. Cause it's like, yes. this isn't what you do. I get it. Cause you that's probably- what I, that's what my experience was at work with yesterday. I was like, whatever, that's fine. I'll deal. Right. But <laughs> yes, if I go into, when I go into a brewery and they have complete control over their product and the delivery and everything, I am much less forgiving. There's no excuse for having dirty glassware. Especially, and no excuse for serving it. Yeah. And especially the big breweries that are do have a lot of business it do maybe have some some high like just a lot of employees like i am really not forgiving there like you guys really if you didn't trade them well enough you have the resources yeah yeah we we've both experienced that type of like this is not the end of the world we're not like dishing on the breweries we're not leaving bad reviews but we've both experienced bad glassware service at big breweries and it's just like come on right come on man so one of the other things, so we've talked a little bit, oh, and I will also say the inspecting the rim, especially for any kind of like chapstick oh. or, you know, lipstick. Um, I worked at a brewery where I would regularly pull glasses out yes. and inspect them and be like, okay, this clearly still has chapstick on it. So the dishwasher is like, not good enough. Right. Those glasses need a pre-wipe, a pre-ritz, a pre-clean before they go in the dishwasher. Like it's... A- 100 percent not good enough and if you pull a glass like out like that even if you're mid-pour just stop and right. discard <laughs> right. get rid of the glass and the beer right. new one. well and the thing that i always do <laughs> the thing i always do when i'm going to particularly like when i'm working at a brew and i'm going to serve beer pour beer whatever i pull the glass out and i just hold it up and it takes like a second to look at it and be like okay there's this looks clean. Exactly. There's no oils on it. There's no chips or cracks. I've also been served beer with like chips and cracks on the lip where it's like, okay, it's a good thing that I'm the person who saw this. So I could just yeah. be like, Hey, can I just get another glass? Um, but yeah, doing that really quick 
inspection is, you know, is huge. And it's like stuff happens sometimes, you know, the dishwasher, like you said, like you don't it yeah. doesn't get pre-rinsed or it doesn't quite come off. That's fine. It happens. You, That's why you just job. do that quick check yeah. to make sure that it's, that it's, it's at least past that test. And then if you work at a beer bar, you should have a glass rinser which is right. pretty much your next test. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Your next Sorry. step then is the, I got excited. No, that's <laughs> we get excited about proper beer service, but the, the next step then is glass the glass rinser. Rinser. <laughs> and I actually have, they make oh, glass rinsers now. You do. Don't home. you? Yeah. And they're oh, I love like that there, it was a gift uh, for, it was a birthday gift a couple of years ago, but I want to say they're around a hundred dollars. So they're not, they're not inexpensive, but they're not, yeah, you gotta you know, hook it's it an up indul- to your it's an Yeah, but it's uh, but hooking it up is I think it, it was maybe like a thirty minute job. Like they make it so it's it's super easy, and I love it, and I use it all the time. But um, particularly if you know goes to you, Google Glass Rinser, right? Amazon. <laughs> if you um, if you don't have a glass rinser at home, I'm just saying that they are accessible. Yeah. Um, if okay you don't if have you don't. one, yeah, just rinse it. Just turn on your tap and, you know, kind of rinse the glass underwater yeah. a little bit to at least get, I guess I, could um, like, do that. I don't have a dedicated glass rinser in my home. I don't usually, I don't wash my, I'll, I'll wash my super delicate beer glasses by hand, but like, I don't have like special detergent yeah. or special brushes just for those. So, so like, same. One thing that is a question I have been asked kind of a couple times at the brewery, like how do you get your beer, your glassware at home to be beer clean? And, um, I have two pieces of advice uh, for your dishwasher. First of all, clean out whatever filter you have more regularly <laughs> than you think. Um, and, then, and if you didn't know, now you do know that your dishwasher is a filter. I cleaned mine out for the very first time, like two weeks ago, right. and it was disgusting. Yeah, but, but now you cleaned it out. Wait. And also if you have a spot in your dishwasher for Ritz aid, put that in there. Cause that is going to make the difference that will, after you wash your glass, that red say will go off and kind of give this extra ritz to make your glass sparkly, you know, clear. And that's going to be a huge difference. So our glasses actually come out beer clean of our dishwasher. Yeah. Mine usually are. Um, yeah. They're usually clean. But, I mean, but if I had was... a rinser, I, I mean, 100%, like I would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> like the rinser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, you know, if you've got a rinser and particularly if you work someplace where you're serving beer, every glass on the rinser, every time, no excuses, no excuses. And I've, I've worked places and I've talked to places before. I remember actually one time at pilot, um, there was a visiting brewery and they were like, oh, well, how often should we be using the glass rinser? And I was like, every time. And what do they, they were think like, it's no, for? but the glass rinser. And they're like, we call it the skadoosh. Like, how often should we use the skadoosh? And the skadoosh. Like, <laughs> every time. And they're like, every time for what? They're, I'm like, every time. What did they for think every, it's for? For every glass. Yeah. What I'm are like, they skadooshing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what is skadoosh worthy then if you're not doing it to every glass? They're just like skadooshing their face. Like, <laughs> look at that. Right. Fun. <laughs> right. But I, um, one of the breweries I was at one day for bartender training, like I gave everybody the same beer. One had been the glass was just, I picked up the glass. I poured the beer. The other one, I, I used the skadoosh. I used the glass rinser. 
and it was the same beer side by side and I had everybody taste it. And one of the bartenders was like, I've been like busy before and haven't done the glass rinser. And he was like, I did not know that it made as huge of a difference as it does. And he was like, he said, you know, I've, I've skipped that step before and tasting those side by side, I will never skip that step again. And so that, I mean, that can be particularly if you're like in a training role, that can be a really good exercise because it is just a very effective way to show yeah. these are the differences because the other thing to think about too, when you're rinsing your glass, you know, when you've got everything, um, you, you think that it's clean, you're probably still using municipal water, some <laughs> leftover chlorine or chloramines in the glass. And yeah. that, that was when I did the side-by-side for this training, that was the thing is like, you could smell yeah. chlorine in the glass. And it was just because it hadn't like the glass was clean, but it had been cleaned on municipal water and it yeah. had been cleaned with detergent. So it had a chemical smell to it. Yeah, exactly. We have a, uh, a filter on our glass rinser. I love that. So, so it actually, I think because of you, because like, <laughs> I think not, so too. Not in a negative way, <laughs> but I, I didn't think about it. You're like, do you have a filter on there? I was like, no, I don't. And then we like did a, uh, well, I smelt it. Like we were smelling the glass without a rinse versus a rinse. And then it was just like, okay, we need to get a filter. Duh. And then we got a filter and I was like, holy F so much different. And thank God this is our, what our product is going into. This is where we're right. renting, like right before. So it's not enough to just rinse your glass. Does your rinser have a filter? It, well, like when you're at home, whatever, like I don't want you to like anyone to freak out, but I'm talking about a beer service bar. Mm-hmm. Gotta have a filter. It makes a big difference. So actually, I mean, depending where your water comes from, but right. if right. it's coming from the city or. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you're doing that rinse, that's going to accomplish a couple of things. The first thing it's going to do is, is going to, if there's any kind of debris that's still stuck inside, even like a piece of lint or something like that, it'll wash that out. It'll wash out any remaining sanitizer or detergent. And another really important thing that it does is it standard, not standardizes it. Um, it makes the temperature of the glass uniform, which is also really good when, you know, and I've done this before several times where like you have to get a glass that's just pretty quick out of the washer And so it's still really warm. And then you can just leave it for a couple more seconds on that glass rinser to help make that the glass temperature uniform and kind of cool it down. So that way, when you pour in the beer, you don't have it. It's not foaming. Exactly. Except if it's too hot, you can't break it. Yeah. And then (laughs) the the other, yeah, the other part of rinsing is as you're doing that, you can watch to make sure that all the water is sheeting on it and it's not, you're not seeing webbing or droplets anywhere. So if you do see something like that, that means yeah. that the glass isn't beer clean. Yeah. It just discard it and get a new one, like as a bartender or, you know, or as someone who's concerned with beer clean glass, because it is a foolproof way to determine. And it is, it's not like you can give it a second. See what it does. Like if you see something kind of cascading around a certain area, exactly. just like give it a second. And if it completely goes away, which I have seen that happen plenty of times, now your class is good. It's fine. Right. I just need it a second. It's like, it's all good. It's- right. Exactly. So, yeah. And then, you know, really that's, that gets you through to the service. 
I would say as an extra mark of service, you should also make sure that you're not serving beer with beer coming down the sides because it's going to be sticky and gross. Oh, I hate that. That drives me crazy. To me, oh. that's like a, um, and I, again, I understand particularly if you're high volume, you don't have time to make sure that service is immaculate for every single but beer. We're, we're talking about. But if proper. I'm sitting, yeah, if I'm sitting in a brewery or a beer bar and you like just slot my glass down and there's beer running down the sides of it, it's kind I of like. I hate that. Okay. Happy to also, super, super bonus service tip from you to me. Wait, from me to you. <laughs> if you're serving a beer that has a logo on it, serve it with the logo facing the customer. Yep. I always say make it Instagram worthy. Like you want the person to be, to want to take out their phone right then and take a picture of that beer because exactly. it just looks so enticing. And um, yeah, I mean, that was. That was a lot about, about glassware. I think when we started, we didn't, um, I, knew, it, I knew in my soul that I had a lot to say, but yeah. Rachel, we'll, we'll wrap it up this way. Tell me your top three favorite glassware styles. Stog at work. So we've started carrying those like the traditional six ounce. Um, and I just love having that mini beer. I like having like mini, mini beers. Cause you like <laughs> to feel like a fairy tale giant. No, I just like feel like <laughs> I'm controlling my beer intake a little bit better when I'm right. successful at that time. <laughs> so we got a for our Kolsch day, and I like was looking around so hard for every supplier. Like, can I get these glasses with my you know logo on it? And I could, but only at a, like eight ounce or twelve ounce. It was fucking BS. And I was like, fine, whatever. So I finally just found a distributor of Poland, and. uh, got a case of them, just regular classic styles. So I love it. They're my favorite. Um, after that, it's my, uh, Pfizer beer glass. I call it my Pfizer beer. What did you call it earlier? A vase. Vase. See, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that name. Call it my Pfizer, my wheat beer glass. And then, uh, my Belgian glass. So yeah, pilot. If we're talking about pilot glassware. I like your goblet. Yes. My goblet. Because my this is my pipe beer. That's my goblet. But our pipes that we serve, we have another pipe beer class. It's it's kind of weird. It's kind of like the IP. No, not gonna say that. It's kind of like a skinnier short, skinnier nautic with the bulge in the middle. If that makes sense, it's like a my American pipe without serving an American pipe. <laughs> Mine, my top three are Stange. I love those. Um, the, yeah, I guess if I'm going on like what I use the most often, then I would say the tulip. I have yeah. a goblet. I go back and forth between a goblet and a tulip, depending on what's clean. Um, and then I love thistles so much. I think I talked about it in our Scotch Ale episode. Uh, it's my favorite beer glass. Do you, drink your, cool. do you drink your barley wides out of thistles? I only drink scotch ales out of my thistles. Ah, uh, you would. Them's the rules. Do you drink a lot of scotch ales? I don't. And what also makes me mad is I will have scotch ale and forget to put it in a thistle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But yes, I love, I love thistles. They are giant glasses, but then like when you pour beer into them, they hold like a standard 16 ounces so they're like they look really big but then oh. you put the beer in them you're like oh because the shape of it mostly is for the head i guess i haven't really seen one in person because when i see them online 
I feel like they're small glassware. No, they're they're giant. Oh yeah, yeah, they're really big. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Um, so yes, that is glassware. That's a lot about proper beer service. Um, a lot about the history. And yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, maybe we'll just make it more of an effort when we're doing our deep dives into beer sales to talk about the glassware, if there is specialized glassware for it. Uh, like we've said a couple of times, April 23rd, Beer Clean Glass Day. You can go to Cicero social media or their website to learn more about that. You can always send me dirty glassware pictures, um, pictures of glassware that is dirty, not like the yeah. dirty glassware. <laughs> <laughs> Here's not, like, not glassware, like, like, compromising, <laughs> like compromising positions. Um, but yeah, so thank you everyone for listening. You can find us on social media at False Bottom Girls. Uh, you can email us falsebottomgirls at gmail.com and you can visit our website falsebottomgirls.com. Beer clean glassware day. Show us your pictures. Tag us. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tag you, us with Cicero. Yeah. If you post uh, your beer clean glass or you know what, anytime you just get served or you serve yourself a, a well poured beer and proper yeah. glassware and it's clean and it's beautiful and you want to share the beauty with someone you can always send it to us yeah we'll love it we'll get excited yes we always yeah we definitely do so, so yeah. small things small things <laughs> all right well thank you everyone and um until next time may your glasses be free they better be from <laughs> they better be <laughs> May your glasses be clean, free from debris, free from debris. <laughs> <laughs> this has been False Bottom Girls, and we make the Bruin world go round. <laughs>